The We Think Collective podcast is brought to you in part by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash inbound. We Think Collective is also supported by May May Jewelry in Atwater Village. For 15% off your order, enter promo code WTC podcast at maymayjewelry.com. That's M-A-E-M-A-E-Jewelry.com. Vika, Vika, Bobika, Banana, Fana, Fofika, Me, my, Momika, Vika. Welcome, welcome to the We Think Collective podcast. We think you're awesome, so we want to grab your... No, just kidding. Mindset. (laughs) Yes, girl. We want to tap into that beautiful, beautiful mind that you have. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to... The We Think Collective Podcast with your hosts, <laughs> Heidi Bach and Rina May. And today, our very special guest, Vika, Vika, Bobika, Banana, Fana, Fofika, Me, My, Momika, Vika. Hi, welcome. welcome. Oh, this is going to be the best hour of my day. I yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> Two snaps over here. I okay. certainly hope so. It's going to be the best hour of my day. For sure. It's We're already super excited to talk to you. Mm, thank you. I'm thrilled to talk to you. So let's tell our 19 listeners a little bit about Vika. Yes. Um, she's a storyteller, um, a connector. And someone who is helping us, I think women and ladies have access to the other side of the conversation in this moment of Me Too in America. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's that's fair. Absolutely. <laughs> Vika, I t- see myself as a bridge between the worlds. So my goal is to just be curious about what the other side is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that always wins curiosity and compassion over shame and blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, Rena and I were looking at your, uh, your like projects that you have going on. And one of them is this dinner series that you're hosting with men. Can you tell us a little bit about how, this whole thing came about and I mean I know you can't tell us everything she's writing a book about it guys so you'll be able to get her book next year but right now while you're in the midst of it like how did this happen yeah it it's been such a wild ride you know I was an ad exec in New York for almost seven years and I never imagined that my life would have taken this turn Um, And I'm so grateful for it because this is the most rewarding work of my life. It doesn't feel like work. It just feels like an anthropological deep dive. And that's what these men's dinners are really all about. Um, They were born from a really painful time. The most important man in my life, my grandfather, tragically suddenly died of a pulmonary embolism when I was nine months into my 18-month backpacking trip. So when I returned to L.A. to be with my family... Uh, I recognized that I had lost all male wisdom in my life. And growing up with my dad and my grandpa, some of my best friends, that was really important to me to maintain. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, I had this like little fire pit in my apartment in Venice. And my guy friends would come over and we would talk till the wee hours of the morning about 
life and crypto and masculinity. And I just started realizing that there was something really magical about being the only woman in the room and, and being treated like one of the guys, but also being able to answer questions that they had about women and provide this safe space for conversation. Um, at the same time, Hugh Hefner had died. And I was thinking as a writer, how cool it would be to create a men's magazine. And uh, this idea just like, it kept bubbling up. And I realized that the only way I was gonna be able to write the magazine is if I knew exactly what men wanted to read. And this is beyond just a survey. This had to happen in, in real focus groups. And so the dinners really started as uh, a culmination of wanting to gather my guy friends in every city that I was going to while backpacking and doing research to understand if I could even pull off a men's magazine, what are the topics that they would want to talk about? Mm -hmm. And what it's evolved into is way bigger than either of those things. Um, it's really evolved into a movement called Brave New Men. Can you walk me through the feeling of a dinner? Sure. Yeah. So I invite four men from different walks of my life who have never met before. They're introduced on a BCC email. There's three rules that is what I call lion's code. Uh, as long as the, these three rules are met, we can speak about anything openly, vulnerably, um, and encourage each other forward to share stories. Mm -hmm. uh, the vibe is I have this really sweet 1970s Berlin treehouse inspired apartment. Uh, I cook the whole day. So I have like 10 different meals going. It's a four course meal. Um, and it's, it's just like coming over to your best friend's house. There's, there's ceremonial, uh, traditions. There's exercises that I incorporate. There's questions that I ask no matter what city I host these dinners in to make sure that for my own education, I understand what are the overarching themes that are affecting all men, no matter if I'm doing this dinner in Berlin or in LA. Um, and so what the feedback is, because <laughs> I've asked um, a few of these guys what this night means to them, it, it, it's totally overwhelming. They report back that they've never had an experience like this where they could walk into a room with a group of men they've never met before and go deeper with these men than they have gone with their own best friends in their entire lives. And can I clap? Can I just say a fucking men right now to your fucking movement? This is so dope. Okay. I love to be a fly on the wall at every freaking <laughs> dinner. Okay. And I am just sitting here like, Oh my gosh, Vika, you are part of conversations that, Oh my gosh, probably explode your heart to even see men so vulnerable and be like, ah. Yeah, I, this has just totally broken my heart open and made me realize all of my own biases. You know, mm -hmm. I was raised by, by Soviet dad and Soviet grandparents mm -hmm. who uh, very much were conditioned by the communist regime. Um, and they were very loving, but my dad, I don't think he ever cried in front of me. Neither did my grandpas. Right. And so for me, this has been totally eye-opening and my own catharsis because what I recognize is, is my over, <laughs> overarching philosophy that we are bodies of water walking in skins. 
We are biologically different, yes, and we are cosmically the same. Mm -hmm. The same things that men are hurting over, I hear my girlfriends hurting Mm, over. Men have all the same insecurities about their bodies, about dating, about are they good enough that women do. And so this Dinner Salon series is an education in humanity. And that's why I'm turning it into a book. I'm anonymizing all the transcriptions from the dinners. Um, And really, these men are visiting professors in my life. And the goal is to elevate the voices of men of high integrity. And that's what the book is going to do. I love that. So how did you, a lot of our listeners are are inspiring entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs or or, or great entrepreneurs. And when you have a, a an idea so next level like this, okay? So kind of, I don't feel like it exists very much in the space and, and you came in and you're like, I'm going to do this. Where did you get that confidence or that gusto or that intuition to just do it and try it? Oh, you know, my mom instilled a level of conviction in us as kids. I'm one of three girls. Um, my mom was an Olympic level gymnast and the word try didn't exist in her vocabulary. Oh, yeah. like, like those, like, um, whatever those, those people are. Like if you see my face, you guys, I'm like those, what's that, that really famous coach that Mary Lou Redden? No. Oh, oh, I know who um I know who you're talking about. He's gray haired. Yes. Yeah. I think it starts with a Z. I yeah. don't know. But my mom was yeah, intense. Like and so um I am grateful to that boot camp conditioning for life because it's it's what made being a top ad exec feel easy. Because once you're raised with such high discipline and such high standards by your own mother, you can't help but have those same standards for yourself. And um, I really think that the success of this Dinner Salon series lies in the fact that these men understand my vision and they believe in me. They, They know how hard it is to be on the other side and they imagine what it would feel like to be a man holding the same dinner conversations for a group of women. So it's not perfect there. You know, I have done this and every time I rapidly prototype and I ask for feedback because I want the next dinner to be the best dinner I've ever done. Um, And so the, the hustle and the drive to create is something that was born in me um, and bred in me by an immigrant woman who at 26 pioneered the entire family to come to America so that her daughters could have a a future they could never have in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel a sense Mm -hmm. of obligation to fulfill my potential because my mom sacrificed everything to make sure that I had this opportunity. And if I have, if I have the, the luck of being born to a mother that's that dedicated to her kid's future, it would be a slap in her face for me not to fulfill my potential. Wow. Your mom must be proud of you. (laughs) <laughs> not yet <laughs> she'll be proud of me when when I can really say that I can be as successful doing something I believe in as I was making six figures as an ad exec so yeah. okay this this leads me to this conversation so Heidi and I with we think collective one of the biggest things that we 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 look to shift is is that redefinition of success, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our, we've been built by the patriarchy and our success level, especially as an ad you know, executive, 
was driven by cost, like was driven by the amount of money you make, right? So you make six figures all of a sudden, especially immigrant parents. I'm first generation Filipino here also. So, you know, my immigrant parents are like, how much money you make that that used to be success. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. We need some different indicators. So we created something called key thriving indicators where, yeah, profit and money is is part of that whole circle, but there's a lot of other parts in that circle also. So Mm -hmm. for you, what are indicators that that maybe you've created for yourself to know that you're thriving and the work you're doing means something regardless of what that bank account looks like for you and what you're building. Yeah, uh, I love that you're doing that and also appreciate that you get the immigrant mentality that money is happiness for our parents, but it, it's a lifetime to break that for us because while money provides opportunities for happiness, I, I've known billionaires that are really miserable. Um, So for me, what's most important is that my work creates shifts in belief systems. Mm -hmm. Mindset shifts, small changes lead to big changes. The clients that I work with after just a few months of working with me have gone on to get engaged to the first woman they date because they finally saw themselves. Um, So So my work is in self-awareness, it's in self-love, and it's in self-expression. If I can help people get closer to that process, that changes lives. And that is more powerful than any amount of money to me. So one key thriving indicator for you would be when you see transformations in the lives of the people that you're working with. Absolutely. I love that. We created one for ourselves when people that we're working with when we hook them up to do collaborations, we check we're doing something right. That's oh, one of our because we're both really into that. We're both relators, we're connectors, we care about, you know, kind of building people up. And that's one of the ways we've always done it. And we just realized, well, hey, if that's a way that I am, and it's a gift that I bring, then why am I not measuring that as an indicator of, of my thriving as a person? Utilizing what gifts you have is an indicator of thriving. Huge. I'm curious, what are the other indicators that you're using? We use one for time spent like off. So mm-hmm. uh, weekending so hard is what we call it. Um, and we use one for time spent working versus money made. So it's kind of a different measurement Wait. than profit. We still have profit in there. Actual profit margin as a percentage is an indicator. But we yeah. also look at um, new jobs created. Um, We think that if we're creating jobs for people and opportunities for other people to make a living, that's a a sign that you're thriving. Empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's funny. I wrote some down the other day because I was like, you know what? My life has changed a little bit in the last two months. So I have a few new key thriving indicators as the chief happiness officer of my life. So that's the job title that I have and everything that I do. I'm the CHO. I'm the chief happiness officer of my life. So one of mine is being able to have a space every single day to be really creative where I have zero deadlines, I have zero like anything and I can just dance and serenade. For example, we Heidi and I have a jewelry company. I, I dance and I serenade outside and I just dance on the sidewalk for an hour and I give myself one hour to do whatever the fuck I want and that is a key thriving indicator for me because out of 24 hours, you give yourself that one hour to dance in front of the store. Yes, key thriving indicator indicator. Number two is acknowledgement. I think that acknowledgement, like for me to 
give it and for me to receive it is a key thriving indicator because I've been such a giver my whole life and to receive it has been a really big part of my learning. So I receive it. Like when people give us reviews, PS, if you guys want to give us podcast reviews, please do it because that's a key thriving indicator for us because the work translates and people are listening to it and they enjoy it. Um, experiences when I hug somebody and I give them a heart hug and we really feel each other's heartbeat, that is such a key thriving indicator for me. Um, and, and it's a lot of little small things in, in every day. And uh, those to me make my heart sing. And I think money after that is just the energy that makes all of this heartbeat go. So mm. yeah. Yeah. Really beautifully articulated. Thank you for sharing. You're yeah. welcome. Heidi and I celebrate drinking two glasses of water in the morning, P.S., okay? Because water <laughs> is life. So drinking water in the morning is everything. Yeah. Um, I have questions about being in all of these conversations and these events that you that you facilitated at and getting to hear, you know, what's on the minds of these men. What's something that you wish more women knew? either that we knew about men's hearts or that we knew about our power to hold space for them, for a different version of them? Sure. Yeah, this is such a great question. Um, I'm going to approach it from a few different dimensions. So okay. what I wish women knew about men's hearts is how deep and full spectrum they are. Men are just as multidimensional with their feelings as women are. And I ask women to imagine what it would feel like to be in a man's shoes. And from the age of four years old on, be told by coaches, be bullied by peers, uh, and be, be educated by the media that, you know, you run like a girl, don't be a pussy, that anything feminine becomes the threat, becomes mm -hmm. the fear. And so it's not that men don't want to express themselves. It's that they've slowly been pummeled out of expression. So when a man isn't being as expressive when you're speaking to him, it's because he hasn't been given the same cele celebration in his feelings that you have. Women are are really encouraged, you know, to cry. They're encouraged to feel fully. They're celebrated by our society. Look no further than any rom-com to, to see that. Um, what I wish women understood about men is that they light up when they feel that they can be useful, when they feel that they can be in service to something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. um, what I wish women also understood about men is that is that they they deeply need a sense of purpose um, in ways that we can't always relate to. Um, but because of the way that our society conditions men's worth to hinge upon financial success, if a man is not able to provide financially for his family or for himself, it's very likely that he will fall into a shame spiral. Mm -hmm. And what I wish women knew is that in those moments that men are in shame spirals, the kindest thing that a woman can do to pull him out is to simply give nurture, to ground him in gratitude, to explain that his value in her life 
has nothing to do with his financial ability to provide. I've spoken oh, to men. Can you say that one more time? My heart needs to hear it one more time, please. Um, that I wish that women knew or could tell men that their role in a woman's life has nothing to do with their financial ability to provide, but rather their ability to be an emotional rock and hold a woman, make her feel safe so that she blossoms. And this is all heteronormative dialogue. Um, and, and I am aiming to do more work in the queer community. Um, but what I've been hearing so much is also how much power women wield in these moments uh, of sexual contact, like sexual shame and performance anxiety is a reoccurring theme in a lot of the dinners that I'm hosting. And I would never imagine putting someone down in that moment, but the fact is the statistics don't lie. So if multiple men are sharing stories of times when women have sexually shamed them and created performance anxiety, it means that there's a systemic problem and we need to really see each other as, as allies and as friends because uh, as a woman, we'll never understand the pressure of having an appendage extend or not extend to determine the quality of a sexual experience with somebody. Woo, that is so like the appendage extend and not extend. That is the first time I have ever heard of a Woody like that, P.S., okay? <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> that is probably going to go in the show notes, okay? I'm just saying <laughs> because that is the most PC way I've ever heard it and I appreciate it. But it's also kind of taking it down to its basic simplest notion and saying to this very simple thing that happens with an appendage or doesn't happen with an appendage is then going to be your worth. Yes, exactly. And P.S. Um, the other person has an effect on what happens or doesn't happen with the appendage and yet you will carry all of the responsibility for it. We need some other new key thriving indicators in the bedroom besides appendage, okay? <laughs> that is for sure. We can create a new KTI for that. Well, yeah. I'm glad you asked this question because a lot of women have been asking me, would you consider writing a book for women? And I absolutely will after I write the first book um, about brave new men, because we are in a place at this crux with the Me Too movement where unless we do something radically different, the battle of the sexes will be the story of mankind. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, refuse to buy into that narrative because we would be losing out on so much creative and intellectual collaboration mm. if we just throw up our hands and say, well, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Right. And I think that's bullshit. Okay. I think that we are bodies of water walking in skins. And one of my keynotes that I'm writing for, I'm doing the speaking tour in Australia in February um, is this matryoshka doll. So in my culture, we have these little folding nesting dolls. Mm -hmm. And my theory on this is that this is a really great metaphor for the conditioning that we receive from gender. Mm -hmm. So imagine the tiniest little doll that kind of looks like a peanut. That is our zygote to four months, right? That is the point at which gender does not exist. From the moment you are conceived in your mother's womb up until four months, 
you are simply a cluster of trillions of cells. Mm-hmm. Then a one inch flap of skin becomes the head of a penis or the beginnings of a clitoris. And that is the first layer of the matryoshka. That is the anatomical conditioning. The next layer of the matryoshka is when you get born into your family. Your familial conditioning about gender dictates anything that you know about what it means to be a boy or what it means to be a girl. Does your family believe that girls should be playing with trucks and um, toys or does your family believe that that's only for boys? The next layer of the matryoshka is the cultural gender conditioning. So depending on if you're growing up in a Latino culture, a European culture, Hispanic, black, whatever, there's so many nuances I'm learning about different cultural conditioning based on gender. The next layer of the matryoshka then becomes societal. And inside of the societal is corporate culture. So what is your uh, pregnancy leave policy at work? How is a company structured in terms of equality, equal number of men and women in roles of power? And then the last matryoshka is your own belief system about gender. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we can just bring awareness to all the layers of conditioning that we have about gender and the layers of conditioning that are imprinted on us before we're even consciously aware of them, we can start A, taking radical responsibility for how we're showing up inside of our gender and B, being kinder to the opposite gender in recognition that, hey, it's not easy to be a guy either. Right. Hmm. Or a transgender or anything else. Or, or right? queer or anything, exactly. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It's definitely something that we've come across as our in our conversations. We've kind of steered toward talking about masculine energy and feminine energy as opposed to gender as much because that's what we've been looking to understand within ourselves is kind of this feminine energy that we've sort of shut down, ruled as less valuable, as weak, as all of these other things probably due to this gender, you know, conditioning that's happened over the years. But it's really an energy that's not tied only to females. Um, Men have a, a feminine energy as well. And women have a masculine and we've just started calling them both forth in different places. And I think what we've discovered is that a lot of women and probably a lot of men in our conversations mm-hmm. have learned, like you said, to view some of the feminine traits as weak or bad or negative and have then kind of subverted them and or hide them right behind our walls of like our hardening and our walls of self-protection and ego and all of this stuff. And we're, as we learn to peel those layers back and go kind of back to that feminine essence, we find that there's actually a lot of power in that softness and a lot of strength in that vulnerability. And um, that may be part of the gift that we need to be able to bring forth as women if we want to see things be rebalanced is how to bring that into the room, like you were saying, you know, and kind of shift and transform what's how things are flowing in that room by coming in with our softer essence. Yeah, really well said. And and just to piggyback on that, I'm experimenting with something I call positive disruptive vernacular. Um, because I think the only way that we're going to create real change is to talk about things with fresh words. 
inevitably what I found when I was using the energies feminine and masculine as a writer, I'm so limited by only having those two words Mm -hmm. to describe the most nuanced part of being human. And in my frustration, I thought, what if I just stopped using feminine and masculine? Because no matter how accurately I am writing about something, our brains are so hardwired to Mm. conflate feminine with female Mm -hmm. and masculine with male. So what if I just created a different way to talk about energy? And the way that I've done this on stage is we have two energy fields, two polarities. We have our being and our doing. And that's it. You are always in a being state and in a doing state. And you are always more in one than in another. Mm. And I feel like that helps democratize what it is feminine and masculine energies is trying Mm. to connote without the trigger or confusion around what it means to have feminine energy and what it means to have masculine energy. I got a question. I got a question about being and doing. I know the word being and I definitely know the word doing, but can you tell me what your definition of what in being looks like and in doing feels like? Sure. So tell me, uh, tell me your morning. What did you do this morning? Um, I woke up at 5, uh, 30, 27, and I um, just did nothing on my bed and everything, and I meditated, and then I danced in front of my store for an hour and a half. Okay. So you can be playful, mm-hmm. and you can do dance. You see what I'm saying? Be playful, do dance. So there's this causal be still, relationship. Be still and do meditation. What I like about this and do nothing. What I like about this is it makes me think about feng shui and yin yang. Mm-hmm. And we've had a conversation about this recently about how a lot of people think of them as two different things, like light and dark, yin and yang, whatever, all this stuff. That's not actually the truth of it. The the philosophy is that yin yang is one. They're just different sides of the same. And um and the same thing goes for the energy. So I really appreciate what what you said about that language shift, because it is kind of an inevitable thing that starts to happen. And the language has become so polarizing in so many aspects of our society right now, whether we're talking about feminine, masculine, Republican, Democrat, like male, female, you know, conscious, not conscious, like all of this stuff. And so much of it just glosses over allowing and acceptance, mm. right? And at the end of the day, the reality is that the balance always exists. Both are here now, the being and the doing, the masculine and the feminine. We have them both in us at all times. And maybe one is stronger in this moment than the other. And maybe we're going to get to a place where we're like, I don't even need to think about which one to do or be more because the moment will call for it and pull it out of me rather than needing to be so, (laughs) you know, intentional with it. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my most beloved um, philosophers, Jiddu Krishnamurti, speaks of violence as the moment of otherness uh, between men, the moment when distinction is made. And he talks about it as nationality or religion. And what I would like to make us 
understand is that it's also about gender. Mm -hmm. We create violence when we see each other as other, Mm. when we lose our shared humanity. So when there are words that are creating a divisive polarity like feminine and masculine, where it's very easy to detach because, well, I'm not feminine or I'm not masculine because I'm manly or I'm too feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like in all of the readings that I've been doing over the last two years around femininity and masculinity, and gosh, I've read more books on male psychology than um, I think any person healthfully ever should who's curious about the topic. <laughs> what I realized is it's all recycled. And, and in order to move a society forward, we must honor the past and honor the great masters that came before us, the philosophers and the psychologists. And we've got to iterate and evolve the conversation. Mm. So I don't want to be another writer talking about masculine and feminine energy, Mm -hmm. because that's the easiest thing to do. Amen. I love that. Respect. Um, to that uh, note, you should check out Kate Raworth. She's the economist um, that inspired us on that whole like idea of creating new key thriving indicators and redefining success for ourselves. It's a female economist. She's working out of Oxford University. And like you and like one of the other guests that we had on our show, Radha Agrawal, She's She's a dear friend. Yes. And what I love about what Rod is doing is she's redrawing the social hierarchy of needs, right? And saying, hey, this old drawing, it's not right. We need a new drawing. This is the real way it works, right? We social connection is a part of being human from before you're born to the moment that you die. And that's who we are as people as a as a being on this earth. And so let's just accept that and start moving from that place. And I think that's kind of what you're proposing to do with your new book. So yeah. golf well, clap. Rounds of applause. You see this, you guys? So it's many round. rounds of applause for Vika, you rounds guys. Rounds of applause. Hey, Vika, if someone wanted to follow you and your progress and, and the projects that you have and, you know, be able to... Um, hear about your book when it's time. For how can they come to a it. dinner? Let's. How do they come to this dinner, please? <laughs> so the dinners are curated by myself um, for the book, and I've also had had people express interest in hiring me to create a dinner experience for them and their friends or their coworkers mm-hmm. to have someone that can hold the space and create the environment for vulnerability is um, really powerful. They've said, so um, the way, the best way to get in touch with me is my email Vika V I K A at hello Vika.com. I'm also excited to announce that I will be launching my website. Hello Vika.com. In the meantime, the best way to follow me would be on Instagram where I am once again. Hello Vika Victoria. All case. With the K, Vika with the K. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I want to make sure our, our readers and listeners know how to follow. Um, Cause we're all about like spotlighting. There's sorry, it's divisive, but we want to spotlight. Uh, there's a lot of really dope female leaders who are um, bringing things out, uh, new ways of looking at things, new paradigms. And we're all about shining a light on that. So it was really cool to be able to hear more about your philosophies. Thank you. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think that 
like one of the things that I appreciate in just in just reading about you is instantly you're a conversation starter. The things mm-hmm. the things that that you say and the things that you you speak about are really the question the, the conversations Heidi and I have every day with people that come into our space. We created our own kind of like Neverland Oasis in the middle of Los Angeles and people come in and we whisk them away into this private beautiful space with dream catchers in a mulberry tree and a jacuzzi and a big Santa with a swing and a swing and we created this this amazing oasis where men and women come in and they feel safe and they do everything from cry and hug and look at themselves in a way where it's like, man, I am just human and I'm normal and I can give myself permission to feel any way I want to. And I don't have to be strong right now and I don't feel like I'm like this great investor or like entrepreneur. I could just be freaking me, you know, like Blair Central just sitting on a couch for one minute with you guys. And it's so awesome. And I feel that you provide that same space also with your energy, with your words. And what I feel that you do is you just create different conversations and you get people to think just one, even just one different thought. You done change the world, my friend. You done change the world because with that one thought you put in their mind, it really, I think about it. Every thought changes the world in some small way. Isn't that crazy to think? If like every thought was a move on a Rubik's Cube, holy one gazillion movements of the earth. And I love the way your thoughts shift the conversation. So from my heart to yours, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're, thank you. And on a rainy day when I feel low about myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you should. Take it, boo. Take it. And congratulations on your international speaking tour. Yeah. Uh, Heidi just came back up. from Australia, P.S. I did. They ready. One of my favorite places. Yeah. They yeah, ready. They ready. They ready for you. Can I ask you a question? What's one thing you're obsessed with right now, like in anything in life? Habits. So I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits. Mm. Um, and I, I really believe that subtle shifts to the mindset, to the belief system, change fundamentally everything. So uh, I'm obsessed with keeping the integrity of my word and executing all of those habits with excellence. So one thing that I did, I turned 32 last week, I gave up sugar and gluten for a year. Um, And I think it's going to be a lifetime because it's turning into a habit. And what I realized was that it's not even tempting because it's a no. There isn't this like weird tease of the mind where like I drool. No, it's a no. And once you realize how much power your mind has over your decision-making process, that we are not slaves to our desires, that pleasure is just a fleeting temporal state, then you recognize the power of your being and your mind is simply a toolbox and you are the artist. Speak on it, girl. Okay, I mean, recorded I mean just speak on that, girl. <laughs> hey, hey. I mean, yes to your habits. Atomic habits. Atomic habits. Atomic habits. Yeah, you guys, I'll okay. be in the show notes. Yeah, I love that. That's Thank am- you. It's amazing. I love it. Well, you have to come visit us in the Oasis. I shall. That okay. sounds marvelous. You shall. You'll have- if you're ever out in Santa Monica. Okay. I've got I've got a, a very eclectic spot. 
So for all of you guys, for all of our 19 listeners, maybe 20 now, I just want to say that you may think that, oh, they're in Los Angeles. She's in Los Angeles. No, boo. It's like a long distance relationship. She's on the west side. She might as well live in New York or Canada. It's pretty close. Okay. Or Australia because we may go there first. Yeah, because yeah. it is not that, but our our hearts will meet because we you go know, to Sa- we go to Santa Monica to play sometimes. Yeah, it's well, a place of inspiration. We do, we yeah. do. And we'll def- we'll as a recovering over workaholic New Yorker, what Santa Monica has provided me with is a sense of peace I never had in the concrete mm. jungle. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I bike. I don't have a car. I bike everywhere i bike to my grandma's i bike to see my baby niece and nephew i go to the beach i run into the ocean and do my wim hof breathing it just makes you realize how grateful you are to be alive when you are surrounded by the mightiness of the sea in your front yard you are Mm. just living your best life right now i love it Mm. (laughs) just tell your mom that if ever she questions you just be like mom this is what my day is like i'm so happy you know, I am living my best life. Mm-hmm. You are you, KTIing. Uh, hmm? You are definitely KTIing, okay? Thriving. Yes, I love that. And that does, yeah, don't confuse it with the UTI people. Yeah, okay. not the same. Not the same. Definitely not the same. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, audible.com and Maymay Jewelry. Come to May 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 May. Come to May 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 May. The jewelry that loves you back. The jewelry that loves you back. Visit <laughs> MayMayJewelry.com and enter WTC Podcast for fifteen percent off your order. And yes, this is very commercially. Hey, <laughs> yes, live reads for the win. All right, thanks, Vika, so much for joining us today. We love you. We'll email you Vika at hellovika.com and come visit you in Santa Monica. Mm. Thank you for your vibrancy, for your enthusiasm, for your gusto. It is such a beautiful thing to see creative. Aww. In their highest being. Yay. You know why I knew I loved you? From the minute you said it, the first word you say is playful and curious. And if there are two things Heidi and I are every second of every day is number one, playful. Because, yeah, we named our handball Patty. Okay, we have a handball at the Oasis and her name is Patty. And um, curious is when we... Like a cat. Yeah, when we're with people, it's like we are just so fucking curious on like if you think some way that we don't think we are just curious or like i'm straight up gonna be all like can i ask you a question why do you think like that and where does it come from from this place of super curiosity and not judging you and it's completely changed our lives she basically grabs their little doll what's it called matroshka matroshka yeah matroshka doll and just we start just opening them up we all just of it lo- we want to get in we want to see what the beginning matroshka i'm looks going like. to when you didn't even know that you were a boy or yeah. a girl and you were just a sliver of something and that's the heart i want to see and talk to yes exactly and something that uh i think could be a curious way to approach your guy friends this week Here's a curiosity challenge. Yes. Ooh, I love this. Didn't yeah. curiosity challenge. Just when you thought it was over. Yes. Just say, you know, I'm really curious. I've only ever lived in this body. What does it mean to be a man today, in your opinion? Ooh, uh, honey child. And just yes. Shut up and let them speak. What does it mean to be a man today, in your opinion? That's the question, That's question. that I ask every Uber driver <laughs> who I sit with who allows me to record the conversation because the book is not only going to be dinners from around the world, 
but it's recorded Uber conversations and taxi conversations from around the world with men from all different walks of life. And when I ask that question, I am always so deeply surprised and grateful for the vulnerability in the response. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know what we could do? We could do just an Instagram live when we're releasing oh, this. That. Let's do let's an IG that. live with each other and we'll okay. talk about what's happened since we recorded it and now that we're releasing it. Okay, you guys are hearing our whole promotional strategy. <laughs> uh, we don't really have much strategy around here. We just do what feels good. So we'll see you later on IG live then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Thank you Vika. Love, love, love. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.